Hello, welcome. This is the Extra Podta- Podca- Podcast. Wow. My name is Luke. This is my first time here uh, hosting, and I'm just privileged to be here. So privileged um, that I invited two of my favorite people in the office. Um, are, are you not sure Jeff. we're your favorite? Or we were just like, what was left? Bottom of the barrel here. Yeah. Uh, did I ask every other pastor besides you guys? Yeah, you know I did. Yep. But it came down to... John Mulder and Freddie. So we have John here. I'm back. It's good to be back. I don't get a last name. And the, what? I don't get a last name. No, I don't know how to pronounce your last okay, name. Okay, it's fine. That's fine. I'm and Freddie Ozurko. How do you say it? How do you? Orozco. 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 See, I've known you for a long time, and I did not know that hey, that's how you said your last name. I'm not sure my wife pronounces it right, so it, that's totally fine, man. I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So Freddie is one of our new immerse interns here. Well, and he will be in the fall. Not yet. Wait, he's not. Yeah, it's kind of a pecking order thing right now. I'm a summer worker officially. Huh. So then uh, a few people, mostly Daniel, mostly John, kind of like to remind me that uh, I'm at the bottom of the food chain, you know, lest I feel like I'm their equal. That's well, OK. In September, you are my equal. That's right. But not until then. Right. I haven't uh, forgotten. I mean, you're still above the regular interns, though, right? That's right. That's yes. right. So you're still above them. Yeah. So I'm not the very bottom. I'm just like I'm, I pushed off and I'm kind of almost at the bottom, but not not quite there. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to introduce a new thing, uh, and to this podcast, to this, uh, as Daniel would call program, uh, cause Daniel's off at a wedding. Yeah. If you're wondering where Daniel is, he's, Daniel, uh, has other things that he's doing right now. I mean, he is he's in busy. the United States. His sister is getting married. My it's a good day. thing. It's a good thing. Yes, it is. And then he's going to Uganda. So he's going to serve the Lord in Africa for three weeks. Yeah. Yep. It's all good stuff. It is good. But what we do in uh, my other podcast called Between Two Worlds, hit it up if you want to talk about, if you want to hear about high school kids. Shameless and plug. Shameless. Yeah, it's a plug. It's, uh, we have this thing called Here's a Thing. And Here's a Thing, it gives a chance to, for someone to say something that's wrong with this world. And we decided to let Freddie at it. So here's oh, Freddie here's with Here's moment. a Thing. Oh, so before I get started, let me shout the homies out real quick. Mm. Shout out to Kara. Shout out to Levi. Shout out to Lolo and Yeshua. Those, those are my only friends. I don't, I don't know anyone else. Um, but here's the thing. I, I'm Mexican, right? Mm. So I grew up with, there, there's a few flavors that I'm just used to, right? Cilantro, uh, avocado, wow. tortilla. Right? I even have the accent. Cilantro. Right? Yeah, cilantro. Jalapeno. I might like, actually eat cilantro if, you, oh, if someone tells me They're that's good, what I'm eating. They're good, right? Lime juice on literally everything. Uh, and I just, I don't get why white people love avocados. Like they're good. They're, they're good, but they're not great. And I can't tell you mm. how many times I've seen someone cross the line from like, I'm excited <laughs> to like, my life is instantly better just because you brought an avocado. And it, it might not even be prepared, man. Like they're like, <laughs> put it on some toast, man. I'm like, first of all, that's not even a dish. You made that up. But Right. Like my, my wife will invite people over. We have some friends coming over and, and she's like, we, we got snacks. We got appies. We'll play some settlers, maybe some card games. And people are, oh, yeah, we're, we're there. We're in. And she's like, oh, and I made guacamole. And they're like, can I come right now? <laughs> like, like right now. And I don't get it. I just I don't know if I ever will. John, you're one of those white people that loves. What did you say? Guacamole? Guacamole. Is that how you say it? That's how that's how Mexicans say so it. So you don't say so the G. I can't say it like that. 
okay, guacamole. That, I don't know. It okay. sounds like guacamole when you say it, right? Like I'm not, I it's say not guacamole. A game, I, it's say guac- a I say guacamole. So guac is the that's a good shorthand because you can actually pronounce it, and yeah. I know what you're talking about. All right, <laughs> I love it. I love avocados. I recently discovered avocados. And I, I would eat it on toast if I... Man, that's yeah. not even a thing, man. It doesn't make any sense. Did you know there's, a, know. there's, there's a new Vancouver restaurant opening where it's avocado on everything? Like, you name it, they put avocado on it. See, that's Does what that make I you don't upset, get. Freddy? Well, it doesn't make me upset. It's just, it's silly. Like, if I went and I took, I don't know... I, Maple syrup. You know, y'all like potatoes, right? And I yeah. said, we're only selling potato things here. People would be like, well, that's that's interesting. But they're like, they'd, they'd see it as a gimmick, right? They would instantly know. So when I see someone, they're like, no, no, listen, we're not a regular restaurant. We're way better than that because everything has walk. I'm like, it, it's an appetizer. You're basically an appetizer mm. store. I, I don't, that doesn't interest me at all. I'm mm. not going to go, mm. but enough. I'm not a white person. So maybe, maybe there's that. I don't know. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe. maybe you have different taste buds. Maybe. I don't know. That's a good that's a good take though, Freddie. Thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, I'm I was able to get it off my chest and, and it was good for me it. too, I think. Yeah. 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 So uh as you know, we're gonna go through a bit of the sermon or parts of the sermon that happened and uh, we got a question in and because we're in Jude now, uh the Jude series. Hey Jude. And the question was, how do we know for certain that who wrote Jude is actually Jesus's brother. So John, Freddie, what do you guys take? Well, there, there is some debate on this amongst commentators there. Like it's not a, I guess you would say unanimous understanding that Jude is in fact the brother of Jesus, but uh, most commentators that I've read have suggested that yes, in fact, this is Jesus' brother, Jude. And the reason they, they would go there is because in the introduction, as Jude is introducing himself, he, he, the, the way that he introduces himself is that he is a brother of James. And in the, the New Testament early church, you had two prominent figures named James. You had James, who was the brother of John, which is one of Jesus' disciples. And you had this other James that shows up um, in some of the letters of Paul as a prominent figure inside of the early church in Jerusalem. Uh, In fact, Paul in Galatians mentions a meeting he has with this James and this James is not the brother of John or the son of Zebedee. This James is somebody different. And the way that Paul talks about this James, uh, one of the, the leaders of the early church in Jerusalem is that he was the Lord's brother. So, Right there, you have a, a statement about a James in the early church who is the Lord's brother. Um, the brother, the James, the son of Zebedee, he dies actually fairly early on in the early church. He's one of the first to be martyred for the faith. Um, he's the first disciple I, or apostle, I believe, to to be martyred for the faith. And so by the time Jude is writing, the, the James that would have been really well known is this James that Paul talks about in Galatians, who is the Lord's brother. And so by Jude calling himself the brother of James, he's also by implication saying that I am hmm. the brother of Jesus. And so that's why most commentators will say, yeah, this is in fact Jude, the brother of Jesus, even though he doesn't call himself the brother of Jesus. And I think it's really important to understand, I think, why um, early early in the, in the church, it would have been something very easy to say, you should listen to me because I am a blood relative of 
Jesus Christ. And the, the way that James and even Jude refer to themselves is that they are servants or slaves of Christ. And so there was a fundamental shift in how they would see their brother in terms of how they related to him. It wasn't, they weren't using their, their blood ties to claim authority. Their authority didn't come from a certain kind of relationship with Christ. Their authority came from the fact that Christ was risen and they were proclaiming, um, him as risen, their eyewitness testimony to him being risen and the things that he taught. So that's where their authority comes from. It doesn't come from the fact that they are the brother of this guy. Whereas very much around the world, this is how we we talk. If you want to have authority or you want to have favor with people, you refer to your relationship with that person. Totally. Right? So like if I ran into Tom Brady, sorry, I'm a Patriots fan, so I'm going to use Tom Brady as an (laughs) example. If I ran into Tom Brady somewhere, I would come back and be like, guys, I shook Tom Brady's hand. I met him. Like I did all like my proximity now gives me some sort of value in how I talk about it. Mm-hmm. And James and John both don't use their proximity to Jesus as a way to introduce why people should listen to them. In fact, the, the language they use is servant or slave. And this is why people should listen to them. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and if I could add the kind of, it, uh, trend in scholarship in the last hundred years is that people like to question stuff, right? So like if, if you're looking, if you're a listener and, and you're looking for like a clear cut hundred percent, everyone has always ever believed something. It's going to be pretty hard to, to prove that conclusively. Right. But the church has been pretty consistent in, in, in believing that the author of this is in fact related to Jesus. So then there's, there's no, there's no good reason to, to suddenly just ignore all of that and say, well, because I, I, I think that they might be wrong that makes them wrong, right? So if church history or church tradition has consistently taught the same thing, then then we should we should accept that. Um, not not contrary to good evidence, right? If evidence arises, we should we should weigh that. But in light of the fact that there is no new evidence, right? Then then we should accept what the church has always taught, right? And as long as it's it's not contradicting scripture, yeah, totally, right, totally, awesome. Thanks, guys. That was great. Yeah, got right 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 down to it. The, mm-hmm. the matter of fact that they're brothers. Yep. Wow. I think yeah. that I think we can call that a day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if you, want, if you want. Wow. <laughs> Sealed. Wow. You guys. This is. I don't know why Daniel takes forty-two minutes to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we have we have some more questions. We actually have a whole couple pages of questions. But yep. one I think that is very relevant for us today is is God. This is also from a listener. Uh, is God displeased in us ever? Is God disappointed? In, you know, the, the phrase that I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. I mean, we've all oh, yeah. heard that from our I've parents. I've heard it plenty from my parents. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Too many. And I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Is God disappointed in us or is he mad? Like, can we explain kind of the clarifications of this? Is there scripture that says God is never disappointed in you? Is there scripture that says God is disappointed in you? Uh, where does this kind of go? Well, I, I don't know if I've never seen a scripture that says God is disappointed in you. Right. But, but the idea I would say is, is for sure present, right? Like, um, especially in the prophets, right. In, in Isaiah one, um, Isaiah writes that, that God is, is disappointed in the, the way his people have acted, right. Which has moved him to judgment. Um, in Hosea 13, right. You get God, God is moved in some manner 
by the conduct of his people again in, in such a way that eventually it will lead to judgment. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the idea that God is affected emotionally by the, the failures of his children, for sure, that's present in scripture. Um, like, I don't know if it, I would use it necessarily the same way that we use it. Right. Like when I say my mom and dad are disappointed in me, they, they're disappointed in me because they're powerless to affect a choice that I made. Right. So I, I moved to Canada. Right. And and my parents missed me. So they were like, Oh, we're disappointed that you left. Right. And I, they, they couldn't really do anything. Like I came up here to go to school and then I met a girl and then, and I got married. So there's, there's no way I'm leaving now. Right. Um, and I recognize that that's not a sin issue. Right. But that, that there's, there's nothing they can do to affect that, that decision. Right. Whereas I, I don't think the same is true for God. I think God through the Holy spirit can convict us in such a way that God can affect the, the choices that we make. So I don't think God is bound in the same way that, that we are. Yeah. I, I would ask you this though. Is it that your parents are disappointed that you left? I don't know. They may be yeah, disappointed yeah. that you left or is it that they're sad that you're leaving and they're not going to see you as much? Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's a poor example because it's not really a moral failure, right? Like right. In, in this, I think the reader was more curious in, in regards to sin. So it, and, and then I would, I would still, I'd stick with, with the same idea, right? Where, um, I don't know. I, uh, like when I was a little kid, I, I stole a ball from, from a church, right? And my dad was really mad. So he was more mad than disappointed. Um, but he was disappointed too. Right. Cause he was like, that's not, that's not who you are. And, and he, he was really, he was more disappointed cause he taught me like, don't do that. Like very, very clearly. And then I told him, yeah, I would never do that. And I'd had other opportunities where I didn't do that. But in this situation I did it. And then I lied about it. Right. So like I, it was a, a failure on multiple levels, right. Where my dad was disappointed because there was, he did everything he could, right. Like he taught me. Whereas I, I don't think God just te- like he teaches you through the scripture. He teaches you through the church. Right. But God also indwells you with his Holy Spirit. So in the midst of of something, God can still influence you. Right. And after you do it, God can influence you with conviction. Right. Like the, that's Second Corinthians seven, right, where God um, influences people to have a, a godly um, not godly guilt, I think, is, is the language where they're moved to change. Right. Where parents can't do that. Right. You like I can resist my parents as much as I want. Right. So like, I, I don't, I would use that language freely to describe parents, but I wouldn't, I'd be a little bit more hesitant to use that on God. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if you're going to find a verse that says God is disappointed. What I, what I would point you to is Hebrews 12, where it says that God does discipline us. Absolutely. So he loves us, deeply loves us. We, it's evidenced in the cross, but th- there's the the whole idea that we are being sanctified. We are being conformed in the image of Christ, um, as we live, we will not fully be conformed to the image of Christ until, um, we are given new bodies in the resurrection. But there's this idea that God is, is constantly making us into the image of Christ. And so he disciplines us. Hebrews 12 says Mm. that, that God does in fact discipline us and it's to, to conform us to the image of Christ. There's a, a great illustration that I've heard Ezra use before. And I think it's a fantastic one is, um, you have a, let's say you have a family, imagine a family who adopts uh, a couple of kids from, let's say Africa. And those kids come over and they start living in the house of this family. And there are now certain house rules. Any family has generally house rules. Um, And so they, they they're instructed in the house rules. This is what it looks like to be a part of this family. Um, And they sit down for dinner and the, the house rules are, let's say you, you don't eat with your hands out of the, the dishes. You just don't, you use the, the, the cutlery, the utensils that are there, put it on your plate and then you eat. Well, these kids 
ignore the, the instruction they've been given and just start digging in with their hands. Well, would the, would the parents be disappointed? I, I guess maybe, but it's not that they're removing those kids from their family. It's saying, okay, no, 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 this is not what it looks like to be a part of this family. So we're going to discipline you. And that may start off with just chastisement or rebuke or encouragement to not do those things, but it may escalate from there if the behavior continues. And so the, the goal of discipline is to um, bring about a certain kind of character that's in line with what, what the, the established idea is. And that is that, that God is trying to conform us to Christ's image. Like holding the, you to a standard. Exactly. Right? Yeah. The problem that I think so many people run into is that they divorce this idea of sanctification from the larger process of salvation. So some people will hear what I just said and they will go, then it's impossible for me to be saved because I'm never going to be good enough. Oh yeah. And the reality is, is that there are, there are so many things going on with our salvation. We, we talk about it a lot here at our church. There, there's the idea of justification, which means I was saved. There's a, there's a moment in the past where my record was sealed with Christ. So I am righteous before God, no matter what I do. That, that is biblically true. Mm-hmm. And then there's the experiential, I am being saved in the sense of, I recognize my sinfulness and living in the flesh daily and recognize my need for salvation daily. But I can rest in the fact that my salvation is accomplished in Christ and it's not based on my ability to attain a certain standard. And then there's the, I will be saved in the sense that one day this, this struggle that I have against the flesh will be defeated. Mm -hmm. I will be made new. I'll be made like Christ and I will... I will be glorified. I, sin will not reign. Sin is defeated. Sin is removed from the world. And I will have this conformity to the image of Christ that I have struggled and strived towards. Even though my salvation is not based upon my achieving a certain standard, right. I will rejoice in the fact that God has saved me and now made me like Christ. Amen. What if we go back to your illustration that you used, John, with uh, the children taking food and, and but what if let's say the parents they're disciplining mm-hmm. every time mm-hmm. every time but it doesn't change what do you say to a person like obviously that's an example that's not an actual happening in someone's life right now but what would you say if that was like happening in my life or Freddie's life or your own life a specific sin mm-hmm. is God disappointed then when it's the same discipline the exact same time and you don't learn you just keep doing it and doing it like you're stuck in this kind of thing like what, what would you say to someone like that? Um, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to try to take the focus off of God because scripture is so clear as to how God deals with those things. Mm-hmm. And I think the language of, is God disappointed with us? I think is a little bit unhelpful. Okay. Um, because if we are in Christ, God is pleased with us in Christ, not based on our own behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, if we are sinning consistently, then I think we have to look to the scriptures to see what is going, how God deals with that. I think Matthew 18 is a very clear indication of some of these things. First Corinthians five, where there's um, an unwillingness to repent of, of sinful, mm-hmm. clearly sinful things that leads to a, a moment where there's a, a break or distinction made that shows, no, no, in fact, you, by, de- by continuing this, you are demonstrating that you are actually not one of Christ's followers. Yeah. Well, and this is kind of like a, a fear-based question, right? Like the, the kind of the underlying uh, foundation to it is, can I sin so much that like I lose my sonship or my, my being a daughter of God? Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like that, 
that's not really, that's not a, a category in scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Like Paul addresses that a couple of times, right? Like in Romans 6, 1, right? Like, uh, should we continue to sin that grace may abound by no means, right? Well, so like he doesn't even like, he understands that for sure. Christians are going to struggle with sin, right? Like we, we went over that in, in the Roman series, right? Like the, the reality is that Christians, this side of eternity will continue to battle, um, against the, the, the flesh, right? That that's the language Paul uses, but Christians ultimately win, right? That at, at some level, right? So if a person is, is experiencing consistent defeat, right? Like we want to instantly say like, okay, maybe they're not, maybe they're not a child of God. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, you know what? I don't know. But what I do know is that children of God experience victory to some extent, right? And you know what? If it, it might be a really small one, right? But we celebrate every win. We should, mm-hmm. we absolutely should. Um, and ultimately all of God's children are, are glorified. They're all, and then, and glorification is the end result of sanctification, right? To use the language you were using earlier, right? So all of God's children are going to look Christ-like through the process of life, through God's discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean by uh, every win we should celebrate? It's uh, it's actually a, an illustration I heard. So I'm, I, I don't actually, I can't cite it. So it's plagiarism. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it it might have been a book or it was in a conversation and it was uh, kind of in the context of accountability. Um, so something my community group has started doing this year, you know, shout out community groups. If you're not in one, you should join one. Um, is uh, something we do is, is we we take a quick like ten minutes at the end of, of each gathering, and every person goes around the circle, um, and we, we do split prayer time. Right? So it's just myself and all the other other guys in the group, and and we say, okay, well, this is an area of growth for me where I I'm not living in Christ likeness, and I want to grow in it. And then then you say, this is how I grew, or this is how I. I've, failed this week. And then this is how I'm going to take a step forward. Right. So it's like, it's three steps. It's, it's really, um, it's been very helpful. Right. And then kind of something I noticed really fast was that like when, when people were like, well, like I wanted to read my Bible this week and I did it. So like, God must hate me right now. And I was like, no, that's, that's such a bad attitude. Like that, Mm -hmm. that's such, that's such guilt. And that's not becoming of a child of God. Mm -hmm. So I, I shared this analogy, which I didn't remember where I got it from, but it was, uh, this guy had, had said, in, in his accountability relationship where he would tell people, um, have you experienced victory against sin this month? And often, right. Cause they're, whether they're struggling with addiction or, or whatever it was, they're like, well, no, I, I had a setback. He's like, well, what about this week? Well, no. Okay. What about this hour? Uh, no, not quite. Okay. What about this minute? Have you experienced victory this minute? And they, well, yeah, cause I'm here. And he's mm. like, well, that's, that's a win. Like you you've won a little battle against the sin. He's like, and all of the, like, and if life is a, is a constant struggle against um, like that internal sin nature, then then there's gonna be win- there's gonna be wins and there's gonna be losses. Mm-hmm. And you know we can we can do one of two things: we can focus on the losses and and say, man, this is this is really hard, and I'm never gonna be good enough. Or we can focus on the wins, where we say, you know what, I'm not perfect, but but I am getting closer to that goal. Right. Which, which I think that's a much more biblical image, right? Like Paul talks, like I've run the race with endurance, right? Like I'm, I'm so close to attaining the prize. Right. Well, like, there was times where he didn't do that great. Right. Like he, he got in a huge fight with Barnabas. Right. So he had setbacks too, right. Even the great apostle Paul, but he, he continued forward, right. He celebrated the little things or I, actually, I don't know if he did. Right. But like his, <laughs> his conduct, well, like his conduct in, in his writing of the scriptures, right. Really seems like that's what he wants Christians to do is to celebrate the little wins. So that's what I tell people in my group and, and people that I talk to mm-hmm. um, as, as they, yeah, as they share struggles they're going through. I think another thing that helps us share our struggles is to understand that our, that our like 
um, standing before God is not based on our ability or inability to do things. Amen. So if your identity is so firmly rooted in the fact that God has saved you and is making you new, knowing that you are not yet perfect because Christ has not yet returned, you can be open with the, the stuff that's going on in your life. Oh, because everyone has it. Because we all are sinners. Amen. Mm. And we can confess that and ask for encouragement and prayer. And as the body of Christ, encourage and build one another up and, and seek to help one another in those areas and point people towards Christ, knowing that that's what we are called to, but our salvation is not based on our, our ability to do certain things. Right. Let's put this into some like practical application. So mm-hmm. let's, let's say you, let's say I'm right here. Yep. You're talking to me yep. and, you, and I'm like, guys, I'm stuck. Like I, I keep doing the same thing. Uh, I'm, I'm losing a lot. Mm-hmm playing a lot of games and just losing, losing yep. all my games. Okay. What, what were some words of encouragement? Uh, maybe some Bible passage you throw at me. Like what are some p- practical applications that you guys would say to someone who is going through a time where they are stuck? And I think, I think we might, we're all young men and I think we've all been stuck at one yep. point where we're just like, I keep on sinning and yep. sinning and yep. sinning. I don't feel like there's any good in me. Totally. Starting to really relate to David. Being like, I, I'm I'm a sinner from the womb. You get what Paul is saying. Like no one is righteous, not even one, especially not me. And then you, and then I, I've been there where you start to snowball. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you start snowballing in this like kind of like depression kind of thing. And you're like, wow, like I am not a Christian. I am. So what are some practical things? Some things I can do mm-hmm. to. Uh, I don't know, get reconnected with the body of Christ or yep. some things I yep. can, I can read that are just really good for the soul. Yeah. I, I mean, I get really practical. I mean, just you, you're kind of general. I'm going to give one specific example. Let's yeah. say you got a dude who's struggling with, pornog- I know it's, you know, talk about pornography, but it's an easy one because I think a lot of, because it's real, right? Like that's a lot. Of, and so a lot of people, so for example, we all have smartphones that are probably connected to the internet right? and Wi-Fi in our homes. Um, and so if you got, a dude or a lady who's struggling with this and it's a, you know, it's a thing that, that, you know, before they go to bed, the phone's right there. It's just an easy temptation and they seem to be, doesn't matter how hard they they're praying or whatever else they go to bed and then that they can't sleep. And then mm. it's like right there. Well, a very practical step is just to take your phone out of the room at night. Mm-hmm. Like the, I mean, that's a, that's a very practical thing. Mm-hmm. We should fight against sin, but I'm going to, I'm going to go to Matthew five Um, where Jesus talks about those that struggle with lust. He says, but I say to you that everyone that looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then he says this, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. What Jesus is saying there is that our fight against sin should be drastic. Yeah. What that it, it should be a fight, right? Like people right. act like it's uh oh, like this is just a, a little like thing that I'm working on on the side. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, like it's a dog fight. Totally. Like your life is on the totally. line, buddy. Yeah. Step up. Right. Like it's it's life or death. Absolutely. John Owen said that be killing sin or mm. sin was gonna kill you. Mm. Yes, sir. Right? Romans eight. We, we we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Like we fight against it. Yeah. We we choke it out. Like that's that's what we do. That's it's not a, an easy thing. It's not something that's just going to come naturally. But the, the beauty is, is that um, Paul in Galatians 5 says this. Um, he says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Like it's a, it's a guarantee. 
like focus your mind on the things of the spirit, which is what he says in Romans uh, eight was what it looks like to walk by the spirit Focus, like think on the things of the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Like it's a promise. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're going to nail it every time, but it means that you should be able to, in your Christian life over the long term, be able to see significant victory over sin. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with things. You're going to struggle with things. Yeah. You are going to feel like you are in a dog fight against this, mm-hmm. yeah. but it is, it is with the knowledge that you will be able to with Christ and the body of Christ and by his spirit, be able to see victory over that sin. Totally. But that may, that may take some drastic measures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, to, to piggyback on that in terms of drastic measures, like I would, I would take someone, right. If, if Luke's standing here, he's like, brother, I need some, I need some help. I'm not, I'm not winning. Um, in this season, uh, I take him to scripture too. I appreciate what you did there. Um, and I would go to Hebrews 10 and I, I think this is one of our favorite verses, my wife and I, again, in our community group, come on. Um, <laughs> And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And, and what I appreciate about that verse is it, it encourages gathering together. So I, I think the only solution to um, to individual struggles with sin is to bring it into the light, first of all, um, through confession and then to to go to war with it both by yourself and, and with an accountability partner with an accountability group, right? Um, you, you're not alone, right? And, and if you bring it to a group, right, if you're gathering together, um, what I appreciate the most of this passage is it, it, it gives you kind of the urgency, right? Like that the day is drawing near and, and it's not talking about like payday, right? Like it's talking about like the day of the Lord, the day of, of final judgment is coming. So these things, right? Like that's why John Owen is so bold. That's to say, be killing sin or sin, be killing you. Like it, there, there is an urgency or there should be an urgency, mm-hmm. um, in, in the Christian. Right. And, and that Hebrews passage like really solidifies this point. Right. Cause then he, the author goes on to talk about, um, what happens to people who continue to sin, who persist in sin. Right. He, and, and he's going to say that like they, um, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of, of the living God, right? So it, for him, he seems to think it's a big deal that, that you should you should be dealing with it, right? And if you're not deal, able to deal with it on your own, then you need to change the game up, right? So that, that's where I would say like community, um, whether it's like just your, your friends group or your youth group or just some guys from work, whatever it is, right? Like everyone needs somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Or ideally mm-hmm. two or three quality people that, that you can lean on and, and be open with and, um, and receive help rather than judgment, right? Like we don't really want to tell people if they're just going to roast us the whole time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think as we talk about these things, it's always important to, to remind people of the fact that the gospel is um, one of grace. Amen. Mm. Um, I'm just going to read yeah. Ephesians 2, um, starting in verse 1. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. There is not one single moment in that entire sentence where Paul is attributing any of our salvation to anything we have done. Yeah. And I think, I think that's why one of the reasons it's so good that we're going over to the book of Jude right now, 
We're calling out false teachers mm-hmm. who are not saying that it's grace alone. Mm-hmm. It's yep. not that it's it's somehow by what you do here is going to get you in. No. It's or not by the, the grace have of God. More faith, have right? more like, faith yeah. or you just need to be stronger. It's no, you're fully relying on God. And I think that's this this beauty part of going through Jude is that as we're closing through Jude, we're going through 2023. Jude gives some instructions how to uh, build yourself up and mm-hmm. how not to fall to false mm-hmm. teachers and why we're not supposed to fall to uh, false teachers. We're supposed to snatch people out of like a, like a stick from the fire. And I think that's that's our call. So if we're if we or people are struggling with sin, what Freddie's saying right here, come to community group. There's people there that can help build you up. Mm-hmm. Find places to get plugged in. Mm-hmm. I think there's 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 so much benefit. Like yeah. Freddie, I don't think you could say enough good things about community group, Dude, right? I I love it, right? And like and then I would also add, it's you're not gonna go and find a bunch of heroes in community group, yeah. right? Like they're gonna be people just like you. And, and honestly, you'll be surprised at when, like in my group, we had one guy who was like, dude, I just can't read my Bible. I just, I don't have the desire to do it and I need the desire to do it. And then the next person had said, said something else. And then the, the third person was like, oh dude, like that's, that's me too. And then the next guy, and out of, there was like 10 guys there, I think. And like six of them said, like, you just described me. Like I, it's not that I think scripture is boring. It's just that. I just, I don't love it. I, I can't force myself to do it and I need to. And I was like, that's the only way you grow, man. Like you, through, through doing it, right? So then now all of a sudden we have six guys that are like, I have the same thing. Mm. I'm not an expert. I'm not better than you, but but I'm, I'm trying, right? And then, you know, on some days we they don't read, right? And we, we have a, a group chat where we post what we read in it, right? And, and what's amazing is that sometimes, you know, I didn't read. But then I look on the group chat and I see three of my of my friends did, and I'm like, you know what? Like they're they're good dudes, but they're not better than me, right? If if yeah. they can do it, I can do it, right? Which that's like that's the Christian journey, right? We spur each other on right. to do what mm-hmm. we're all capable of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good stuff, guys. We're gonna close it here. Uh, a little bit shorter, extra podcast, but hey, that's because we're not as smart as the rest of the guys. Hey, that's right. true. That's true. We don't have any fancy things in front of our names. We're just a couple. We're just a couple. After there's no letters that follow my name. No, we're just a couple regular dudes. That's right. Having a good time. Yep. I don't even have a degree yet. Going through. (laughs) It's still in the mail. It's in the mail. It's in the mail. (laughs) They don't hire anyone here. Okay, Uh, I'm sorry. Going through God's word, and if you guys have any questions about what does God's word actually say about certain issues, or if there's anything in a sermon that confuses you, or if anything in this extra podcast that has indeed confused you, please feel to email us, and we'll try to get back to you and try to answer your questions. Uh, as best to our abilities as that we can. So email us at extra at northview.org. I'm pretty sure. No one told me these things. I'm just I guessing. Think I'm pretty sure it's extra at Northview. Yep. Yeah. That's my first or, time. Uh, I wouldn't know. F <laughs> or Orozco. Orozco at northview.org. Yeah, if you, you just want to talk to Freddie, if you can relate to him about your dislike for avocados or just yeah. not over appreciation for avocados or, or your desire to get into a community group yeah, which is more important more important important than well some people yeah some people my hope is that your love for avocados would be rivaled by mm. your love for a community amen Freddie. open challenge open challenge let's leave it at that thanks for listening